Okay, we're starting for real this time because we already tried this once and it didn't go well. So HC Conversations podcast, take two. And go. And go. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Phil, and everybody watching or listening or good evening or good afternoon. Or good night. Good night. It's weird, though. You don't tell people good night to like have a good night. You tell them good night if they're going to bed. Right. That's only in America. Because like I'm thinking about the Spanish that I learned in college, and uh, you know, you do say buenas noches mm-hmm. if it's after a certain time. Yeah, and you're not good. saying good night. Yeah. You're just saying, hey, hey, good hey. morning, good night. Have a good night. Yeah, good evening. Good night. Good night, moon. <laughs> good night, cow jumping <laughs> over the moon. Nobody's going to know what we're talking about. Well, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, but in, in that was that book was published, I think, in like 57. But reading it in the silly voices, oh, that's true. only like a handful of people are going to understand that. But anyway, I digress. Hey, we don't really know where today's going because that's like normal for every week anymore, it yeah. seems like. So um, I'm, I'm shouldering no blame for our lack of content. It's all your fault, whoever is watching this or listening to this. <laughs> we keep begging, like, help us. So we need something to talk about. But um, yeah. So we don't have no content. We just don't know exactly how the morning's going to go. Right. Um, we do want to talk about Jesus. <laughs> Ooh, the pastor's got to we'll talk about Jesus. Lay the Jesus card right <laughs> down. We're just going to play that right off the base. Like, like you're playing euchre and somebody, you know, just plays just automatically, like, leads with one of the, like, the bars. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't. I mean, you can some people do. My grandma would yell at you. you my my you grandma is a serious card player. You don't mess with old people with like, cards. I, that's why I learned how to play cards. And Pinochle. Did not ever want to play cards with my grandma. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a side of grandma that I had never seen before. She's out for blood. I wonder if our generation will have that, like something that they do when they get older. Like my, I don't know if they, well, the whole COVID stuff, so I'm assuming it probably got stopped or whatever. But my grandparents, like for years, ever since I've been alive, I always remember, like, they got card, card club. club. Got to go yep. to card club. It's like, what are we going to have? I don't think we'll have anything. And that's the sad just reality of the way our world operates now is like, we don't have that kind of tight knit real life community. And it's like, what are we going to do? I'd be like 80 and just texting each other or sending memes. <laughs> Gonna go to meme club. <laughs> I, I just like oh, I don't know. Yeah, they're kind of older people, and sometimes they're, they're crazy about their cards and their card club. But there's something cool about that—that that the same group of friends have been getting together to play cards for the last forty or fifty years. Right. It's like, do we have like that kind of closeness in our lives? Most of us don't. But anyway, see, see, I told you we don't know where we're going. That wasn't supposed to come up. But there it is. But there it is. There it is. Join the card club. See you next week. <laughs> oh, so we were, we, we were, we were talking, talking about, about Jesus. We were talking about Jesus. And just how he's central to our faith. He is. But I thought we were going to talk about this room first. Can we say we're going to talk about this room? Yeah. And we're going to talk about something else, too. What was it? Um, those weird people with little hats and beards and stuff. <laughs> but no mustaches. <laughs> but no mustaches. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to stick around for that spoiler. So we thought that we would just share a little history of the room that we're sitting in to get started with. Um, I don't know why. We just thought it'd be interesting to inform you on, on where we're at. So we're in what we lovingly refer to as the orange room. Because if you're watching, you can see it is very orange. And if you like this orange color, you can buy the color at Lowe's. It's called Orange Poppy. Oh, 
that's right, it is. I couldn't remember. Uh, it's been, you know, what, four, almost four years? No, more than almost that. Almost five. Almost five. <laughs> Maybe you can't buy it anymore. This is classic now. It's limited edition. You could you get a chip, paint chip and uh, go into match Yeah, there's it. a spot right over there. You can get a paint chip if you want it. Uh, but anyway, um, we like to joke about the color of this room. As you can see, if you're watching on video, it is very, very orange. But we always joke about it because one particular member of the team, who will not be mentioned, <coughs> Carrie, <laughs> From, from day one has not liked this color. She's like, it's just, it's just very bright, which it is, which it is. So, and so three of the walls in here are this orange color. One is like just a gray. Um, and we're like, maybe we should have done that opposite, done three gray walls and one orange. But like every single person who like, has ever seen this room, they're like, oh, I really like that color. That room is so cool. So every time someone brings that up, we kind of poke a little bit of fun at Carrie. So yeah. And so that we're in the orange room. The orange room um, was, I don't know what it would have been when this was the Masonic Temple. It was like a big coat closet or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was the, the sacrifice <laughs> prep room. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But for the longest time when we were renovating this building, getting it ready to use as a church, it was just like our catch-all space. We <laughs> shoved every, like literally like everything went in here take a toilet out to work in the bathroom, Put shove it in the room. Um, we needed to take down some sound panels, uh, put, them in, put them in this room. Oh, we just took down all the curtains and we don't have trash right now. <laughs> put them in the orange room. So like everything went in this room. So Carrie's downstairs working right now and she just texted me and said, you know, I can hear you, right? I'm like, yeah, I figured. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, this was the catch-all space. And it was just like, close the door. Because we had a couple of preview services before we actually opened, and it was like, shove everything yep. in here, close the door. <laughs> yep. Don't let anybody look behind that door. There was like, there was um, like, duct parts in here for a long time, because like the yeah. forced air system that they never finished putting air in, like was in here. There was a for a long time our little refrigerator was in here. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so we could that. make little sandwiches when we were working on stuff. There's a little mini fridge. And it was like. Was it like a weird powder blue? Oh yeah, that was actually had turned like kind of grayish because the walls had never been cleaned. Yeah, oh Paul's got the, the little Hope Community like storybook I out. Gotta look, gotta look at the beginning. Yeah, it's like a powder blue room. Yeah, of course the the entire like whatever our sanctuary or main space was this color too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know oh, the camera. Wait, you know the right camera's there. up there, right? <laughs> right there. So the, yeah, that's the orange. What is now the orange room? Um, yeah, it had this you know, old nasty tile on the floor, which was its own. It was a, it was just nightmare. a disgusting room. This entire building was actually it was rough. Very yeah. It was rough. But now here we are, and it's the space where we get to come to you each and every every other week because it's not mm -hmm. every week anymore, and hang out. Yeah, and it's just like a nice little it is. warm, comfy meeting space. It's not the gross, dark dungeon that it. Had been. Although honestly, it still kind of becomes a catch-all space sometimes. It kind of does. Like the bookshelf right now has got books on it and like Bibles, Bibles and, and folders full of like paperwork. <laughs> and then there's a piano in that corner because we didn't know where else to put that. <laughs> anyway, so that's where we're at. We're here in the orange room. Do you guys have any questions about the orange room? You can't actually ask it in real time because this is a recording. But <laughs> why would you have a question about the orange room? Maybe people want to know what our floor treatments are. Uh, maybe, and you should talk to my daddy about that because he just—he's the guy. Floors, you know, <laughs> strips them, seals them, waxes them. He's the pro. He's talking about like the carpet and the tile. Oh, I thought you were talking about actually finishing the tile. No. Oh. Well, we just 
just got some, you know, just some tile, some, <laughs> some vinyl tile, commercial vinyl tile, and a nice a rug. area rug from Menards. <laughs> so there we go. All right, moving on past the orange room. I think we could talk about the orange room the whole time. We could describe everything that's in here, the things that we see out the windows. There's two nice big windows. Are we gonna play like I Spy right now? No. I Spy with my little eye. No, we're gonna move on. We're gonna now talk about Jesus. Yes. And the centrality of Jesus. So you, we've been in a series for a couple of weeks on Sunday mornings called Aftermath. Um, and it's all about what happened after Jesus' resurrection, after he you know, was buried and he was raised on the third day. Well, then what? It was kind of picking up after Easter Sunday. Yeah. And just looking at um, how the church kind of got birthed out of there and kind of some of the decisions that were made and the fact that Jesus is central that the entire Bible points to Jesus. In fact, if you were to come to Hope Community or you know watch one of our services, you see that there's a 16-foot wall that says Jesus Jeez. across the front. Um, <laughs> but where's the cross, Paul? There's no cross. And <laughs> Should we talk about yeah. that? <laughs> okay, so someone, I don't know, it's like a... Well, I, I keep thinking things were a year ago because 2020 like doesn't exist. Right. Like, cause the year of the pandemic, I'm just like, oh yeah, that was a whole year. So ago. Christmas 2019. 2019. Was it Christmas time? Oh yeah. Cause it was like, cause we were off for a week. We always take the, the Sunday off after. Heathens. After Christmas. Heathens. Yes. We, we're heathens. Um, and we came in and there was a, a little piece of notebook paper, no, like a little notepad paper on our sign out front. Like taped on, like scotch taped on our sign. And it just said, where's the cross? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, not to read too much into what you can read by three words, but it, you could tell it was kind of like, you guys aren't a real church. There's not a big cross out front on your building. I think this was shortly after we put the big four Minerva banner on the side too. I think so. Yeah. And so we got this big four Minerva banner and it's like, where's the cross? And it just kind of became this picture of like, you know, kind of like, don't judge a book by its cover, but it's like, it, we can we can slap a cross on the front of our building and not be any more following Jesus. But if you'd scratch a little bit, like, under the surface, there's a, like an 8 by 16 foot giant Jesus across our stage. I'm sorry that we don't have, like, a cross out front anywhere, but it's just like, uh... And, you, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, this person, obviously, because it was completely anonymous, it was. but... I, just knowing our community, I would like to just hypothesize that if there were perhaps an American flag on the flagpole, then there wouldn't have been any, like, Ooh. thing posted. Wow. Like, All right, they're good. They're good. We do have a flagpole out front that is it, old. It needs to be it's removed old and rusty. someday. It's one of those things like, oh, yeah, we need to get like that taken care of. And it's like, oh. kind of, you kind of forget it's there <laughs> until you go outside and see an old rusty pole just standing there. <laughs> the but old rusty pole. Old rusty. <laughs> That's a different song. <laughs> but yeah, so it was, it was just like, man, we are absolutely all about Jesus here, but sometimes I think there's a particular version of Jesus that people want. It's like, I want the, I want the, the external... Again, I, don't, I can't judge people's motives. I'm not talking about even that, that specific person because we have no idea who wrote it or what their intent was. Although, you, you kind of think like the biblical thing to do is if you, you have a concern with like a brother or sister in Christ of how they're doing something, you shouldn't just leave an anonymous note, but I don't know, maybe come talk to somebody. 
because um, you could tell it was probably one of those notes too that had like um, uh, like letterhead that had like a name on it because it was like that part was like torn off. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Centrality of Jesus. The centrality of Jesus, but I, I was going somewhere with it, and I just completely well, lost it. Well, I don't it. know where you were going. But yeah, we're okay, so you, like the superficiality of the centrality of Jesus can be a thing where it's like we, we put forward that it's like, yeah, we're about Jesus and like his the death and stuff, but then but it's a different thing to truly center everything on Jesus. So that was a kind of a big, big long tangent that I talk, talk, took you off of what you were talking about. Um, you were kind of saying, if you've ever been to the community, you'll know there's a big, you know, Jesus. It's because we're all about him. Oh, that was it? That's it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> you put a bow because we want people to discover hope unhindered, and we believe that that hope is found in Jesus. And as a church, you know, we're always going to come back to the Gospels and to Jesus' teaching, and uh, specifically like the Sermon on the Mount, like, because that's Jesus' kingdom manifesto. It's like, if you're going to be my follower, here is how you live. And you, yeah, here's what it looks like. And then the rest of the epistles or the letters are kind of working out that, that Sermon on the Mount and what that looks like for the church in their time. Um, and so as a church, yeah, we're going to try to, to follow Jesus and his teaching and elevate that uh, because Jesus is our king. He's our Lord. Uh, the Old Testament is important. It gives context. It informs the New Testament. But we're not going to spend like two, three years working through the Old Testament line by line like some churches do. Uh, because we believe that Jesus is is central, and his teachings mm -hmm. carry a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we've been talking about that for the past couple of weeks, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Just uh, how we need to be centered and focused on Jesus. And it's interesting, like that whole idea, like that makes some people a little bit nervous, and of like of like, oh, but what you just get rid of the Old Testament? It's like, no, 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 no. But we're just viewing it in the right light, um, to where. The God's arrangement, his agreement, the covenant with Israel was was always meant to be temporary and to bring us to a point, and that, that point was to bring about the Messiah, Jesus, who would be Israel's Messiah and therefore the King and the Lord of the entire universe, and everyone now is invited to follow him. And and so Jesus, when he's you know he's teaching that Sermon on the Mount, he's like, Well, don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets, you know, the, the old covenant law. I've come to fulfill them. Like they served a purpose, and that's great, and the purpose was me, and now I'm here. And I've fulfilled all of that. Uh, it's just interesting, too. Like, so often, I think because it's easy, because it is law. Like, the Old Testament is like, it's like, do this, don't do that. Um, we want to, like, latch onto those things and say, you know, like the Ten Commandments. Like, those are, like, what you're saying, we don't have to do those? It's like, well, no, but that's, it's, it's not a matter of do you do those or not. It's like, why do you do what you do? Right. It's Jesus, not because it's written on a page in a book somewhere. It's like, well, yeah, those are all pretty good laws. You know, don't have other gods, don't worship idols, and don't kill people, don't steal things, don't covet. You know, like, that's, that's good stuff. But it's actually all superseded by Jesus. Like, if I'm locked in on Jesus and who he is and what he's doing, I don't want to say I don't need it because, it, again, it, it, it informs and helps to illuminate what following Jesus looks like, but Jesus is the bedrock. Right. I mean, he even comes along in the Sermon on the Mount and is like, hey, you've heard it said, and he'll list some things. It's like, well, where had they heard it said? In the Old Covenant. Like, right. It's like, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. It's like, that's like straight out of the Ten Commandments. He's like, but I'm telling you, in other words, there's, there's a new day here. A new day has dawned. Right. And then Jesus, later on, he says, a new command or a new covenant I give you. Yeah. Love your neighbor. Woo. 
Love your neighbor as I, as I have loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? He laid down his life for us. He was willing to die for us. Mm-hmm. And it's that same radical love that Jesus calls us to have. You know, we don't have 613 laws. We have one. Yeah. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Jesus said that, I guess, two. Those are the two greatest commands. Um, so those are those are our two marching orders. It's yeah. not the Ten Commandments. It's not the, the Old Testament. It's those two. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we see that playing out through the rest of the New Testament. Um, and that gets, like you said, really uncomfortable p- for people because that's really messy. Uh, because it's not like, well, just give me a list of things that I have to do. It's like, well, there is no list. It's just love God and love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. It's like, but... But what about, it's like, no, just love your neighbor. <laughs> well, what does that mean? Well, what does it look like to love your neighbor? What did Jesus demonstrate loving your neighbor looks like? Oh. So it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult. It's, it's really easy. It's just really simple. Just boil it down to two commands, but it's far more demanding yeah. because it takes a lot more work than just, oh, check a box, check yeah. a box. It's, and because it's so simple, like it, it eliminates um, all of our excuses. I guess, you know, like sometimes when we have, when we're, we're living on like, just give me the list of things to do and there's laws, there's always loopholes. Like it's easy to be like, oh, well, well, technically you said this. And so I don't have to technically do that and I can find these loopholes. But when, when it's as simple as, you know, love God, love your neighbor, you know, your eyes are fixed on Jesus. How are you loving him and loving your neighbor? And it's like, oh, I usually know like what that requires for me to do, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. Right. <laughs> um, and, I, and then sometimes there's pushback, like, hey, that's kind of lovey-dovey, you know, ooh, just love each other. <laughs> that's not, like, you know, we'll define what love is, because a lot of people have a lot of different opinions of love. And again, Jesus didn't give us that, um, uh, that, that option to define love for ourselves in, in terms of, like, well, here's what I think love. And he's like, no, no, no. When I say love each other, here's what I mean, the way that I have loved you. Uh, and so... A lo- what a life of love looks like for the Jesus follower is is ultimately, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that Jesus loved that we can look to and like things that he taught and way he treated people, but they all find like the ultimate fulfillment in the cross. Right. That's what love looks like. It is willing, not forced, willing self-sacrifice of like, okay, I'm, I'm dying. Love looks like me dying for the sake of others. And it's like, man. Mm-hmm. So it's like when, when I have that ethic of what's love look like, it looks like me dying to myself so that I can live for God and for the, to love my neighbor. Yeah, that pretty much covers anything like anything I, wrong I could do, like any bad thing I right. could do. Phil, love isn't an ethic. It's not an ethic? No. What is it? I don't know. But I remember my New Testament ethics class when I was working my master's uh, and we read uh, Richard Hayes' big book, uh, The Moral Vision of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Which I'd probably enjoy that a lot more now if I just read it like on my own time instead of like, all right, I you've got to, to read, read this, this entire book in like two weeks. Um, and every, like you had to come up then with your own like ethic for the New Testament. And like every student in the class, like their eth- ethic was the two greatest commands. Yeah. Love your neighbor and the professor is like, love isn't an ethic. Oh. What did he say an ethic was? She. What, what, uh, what okay. Uh, I don't even remember, but she would just like not even acknowledge the fact that we said love that's not a good enough ethic 
Because well, like the entire like I guess premise of the book was like the cross and the new creation and like that is our guiding ethic, which right. is love. Okay, it is. Yeah, that <laughs> so is it's love. Like, oh, Doctor Nicholson. <laughs> it's like yeah, you see the little stickers. The cross equals love. Like again, like Jesus takes away our right to define what does it look like me for me to love somebody. He says no, 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 no. Like if you're my follower, I've already defined for you what it looks like for you to love someone, and it looks like my cross. And uh, I talked about this yesterday. It's it's an idea that so often we've lost in like the evangelical church is like cruciform living. Right. Like the the cross for us has become well, that's how I get saved. A nice piece of jewelry. Yeah. Something that we put on a building. A symbol, and that's how I get saved. That's my entrance into being good with God. But beyond that, like we we see the cross as here here's a line for you. Ready? You ready for this? We see the cross as the means of our salvation, but not our sanctification. That wasn't the line I was expecting. <laughs> I don't know. It just popped into my head. I was expecting, head. like, you know, that, that I mean, you, there's many different depictions of it, but, you know, the cross that paves the way, like, over the fires of hell. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, that's such an unbiblical idea. Oh. The chasm, the chasm illustration. Chasm. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it truly is, like, it's, it, we are a, called to be a cruciform people. And mm-hmm. we talked about, like, in the, the, like, the epistles, like, especially the apostle Paul, what he's doing, he's like, he's just riffing on like the, the teachings and the life and the example of Jesus as he writes to these new followers of Jesus. Like, Here, here's how you live. Here's how you live. And he would always point it back to come to the cross. <laughs> okay, Billy, Billy Graham there. Yeah, it would. It was like, Hey, but not come to the cross for your salvation. You're already saved. You're already part of the church. But he'd say, no, come to the cross for your daily life. So uh, that, uh, cruciformity results in Christoformity. Ooh, there it is. That'll preach. So if we are living our lives patterned after Jesus and how he went to the cross, um, that willing self-sacrifice, that leads to us looking more like Jesus. So being more Christ-like or Christoform is like mm-hmm. the technical word for it. Yes, yes. How about this? We'll be stepping into our, our true humanity then. That's right. Because Jesus, as we look throughout the pages of scripture, you know, he is the, the serpent crusher that we see in Genesis through the snake crusher, that truly human one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that, I guess, prediction or prophecy about the, the Messiah will come and he will be the truly human one. Mm-hmm. David was a depiction of the truly human one, but yet he fell and then Jesus comes and he's like, oh, That's this, is, this is what humanity is supposed yeah. to be. And that's what we are supposed to be whenever we enter into our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. We're supposed to be what Adam and Eve imaged pre-fall um, because they were a reflection of God and who God was. Right. That's, and that's, that's, so, like, that's, that's so central to the story, and we miss it and exchange it for a salvation-only kind of story. When, when what you know, humanity gave up was their, their calling to be truly human, to be mm-hmm. the true image-bearers. And like Jesus is so intentional about like the, the term he uses to define himself, like to describe himself most often is son, son of man. man. And that means like the son of a human, like the human one. He is the picture. Like obviously he's got, he, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully human. And, and the, the humanity side of Jesus like is what it looks like to be truly human of what a human in perfect harmony in relationship with God is supposed to be like. And that's actually what we're invited into. And like when we become followers of Jesus, we don't just get, you know, transported into that. Like, oh my gosh, I'm the ideal human being now. I'm finally doing what I've been you know, made to do, and God created me for. But 
But the, the path to that is what you just said. It's yeah. cruciformity that leads to Christiformity or like this picture of when we talk about like, oh, God, make me more like, you know, more like Christ. It's not like make me more like the God part of Christ because we're not little gods, but make me more like how he has shown me this ultimate like humanity is what right. I'm supposed to be. And it's beautiful and it's great. And then after salvation, it actually gives you something to understand. Like, this is why I'm, this is why I'm living. Like, this is what true, when, when you come to give you life abundantly, guess what he's talking about? It's living this new kind of life. Like, oh man, this is it. So exciting. So that's why we are so central yeah. uh, about Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. Everything in the New Testament, everything in the Old Testament Jesus. points to Jesus. And so that's why we're not going to stop talking about him. If you come here on a Sunday morning, you're going to hear Jesus. I talk about Jesus a lot. Can't you talk about something else? Right. No, we can't. You know, people uh, you know, want to say, I want to go deeper you know, in, in Scripture. Well, there is nothing deeper than Christ dying uh, and us learning to pattern our life after him. Uh, that's the only way that we can truly grow in our faith. It's not by learning more knowledge. Yeah, that's good, but that doesn't make us more Christ-like. It doesn't. Scripture says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Yeah, it's Apostle Paul. This is Paul quoting the Apostle Paul. That's right. So that's why we're going to keep just trying to help people, help you follow Jesus. Yeah. Uh, because that's what leads to a transformed life. It does. And like... It seems so simple, but yet it's <laughs> it's the road less taken. Mm -hmm. it, it almost does seem to seem like it really like just you know follow like just pattern after Jesus, make everything central to Jesus. Really, can like can it be that simple? Can the Christian faith be that simple? And there was a time when it was. Yeah, and we've lost that. Um, yeah, it is that simple. Yep, because it's not Jesus plus anything. It's just. Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's enough. Yep. All right, so that brings us to our next point, our next conversation. Um, so earlier I mentioned like bearded guys and hats and everything. Um, so and no mustaches. No mustaches because mustaches are a political symbol. Yeah, a symbol of power. So we want to talk about the, I guess, Anabaptist movement yes. or radical reformation. Yeah. Um, because we've been on a journey for a little while, a couple, couple of years, least, yeah, a year coming years. to a realization like last summer. It's like, oh, it's huh, interesting. <laughs> we thought like, as it relates to our relate, like how we view Jesus and the church and stuff. It's like, okay, we're, we're kind of like been influenced by different areas and like, like, oh wait, this kind of already exists. <laughs> so we fall in the Anabaptist camp. Um, not fully. Not fully. We'll parse that out a little bit. Yeah, cause like, not because like some people think Anabaptist, you think Mennonite, you think Amish or Hutterite. Um, definitely not any of those. Hey, your last name is Snyder. It is Snyder. Uh, that, we can we can work with that. I know, I know some Amish Snyders. There you go. In Wayne County. Got the beard going already. I just got to get rid of the mustache. Um, let my hair grow a little bit. I just had an idea. Whenever, if you know, if, if you decide to, to trim the beard off at some point, can we do it on the podcast <laughs> and just take the mustache off first, <laughs> please? Paul. Maybe, maybe I will just take the mustache off first and come in for the podcast. Yes, because here's here's the thing hat. about the beard. While Shiloh recognizes like me in photos mm -hmm. with my short beard, my yeah. normal like rest of the year beard, the rest of the 
<laughs> got my winter beard and the rest of the year beard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how she would do if I just suddenly shaved my beard. So I want to trim it, like shave it down mm-hmm. with her watching. Yeah. So she can yeah, see that go. it's, it's actually me. Yeah. Either so. that or well, there's been no traveling lately because, you know, COVID and stuff. Like you would have had to have done it like when you were getting ready to go somewhere shave it off and you're gone for a couple days so it's got a chance to come back in because <laughs> your beard grows fast yeah it does anyway so anabaptist anabaptism um so one of the big things that brought us to the conclusion about that well, we might kind of be with direction. We, yeah we might lean that direction is just the centrality of jesus for the anabaptist it's all about jesus and his sermon on the mount it's all about carrying that message out some missions is very big for anabaptists um and it's all about, you know, taking the words of Jesus seriously. Like Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bless, do not curse. So nonviolent resistance is um, a value for Anabaptists. And it's like, okay, we kind of fall in that camp because we don't think that using violence to stop violence is right. That's using the ways of Babylon to combat Babylon. Yeah. It doesn't bring about Jesus' kingdom. Jesus chose not to use violence, but instead submitted to it, and that's how he overcame violence. Hmm. So, yeah, there's that. I don't know. We'll talk some more about that if we want, but we're, we're not Amish. We're Mennonite. We know that much. No. <laughs> that's what most people think, though, and they think, if, if you know anything about Anabaptists, it's like, wait, the Amish and the Mennonites and, well, the Hutterites, but I didn't really know anything about them until recently. I'm like, oh, there's another group. Um, but those are all kind of offshoots of Anabaptism. It's not really like a denomination or anything. It's like it's a stream, mm-hmm. much like Protestant. And there's tons of denominations, but it's just kind of like, hey, it's just it's a way of thinking. Um, yeah. Interesting, like how they came about was kind of as a result of the Protestant Reformation. Um, some of the students of one of the particular reformers, Uldrich Zwingli, um, they so like the Protestants as they sought to reform the Catholic Church. They actually didn't want to make their own churches. They were like, hey, we just need to change some things, and that didn't go so well. So they started making, like, it, was, it became its own movement, and they were like, it's all about the Bible. Get the Bible in the hands of the people so they can read it. In their own language. In their own language. Um, and so some of the students, specifically of Zwingli, when it got started, they're like, okay, we're going to read the Bible for ourselves. And they're like, we're reading this for ourselves, and you reformers aren't going far enough. Like, Thank you for giving us the words of Jesus. Now, we actually want to go and do the words of Jesus. Um, and so they were kind of known as like the radical reformers because they were the students of the reformers. And they're like, we're, going, we're doing this. Um, and very dark times in the church, like at that time, you know, the Protestants and Catholics did not like each other. And the state and the church were one. The state and the church were tied together. Um, and while the Protestants and the Catholics didn't like each other, they both hated the Anabaptists <laughs> and like put them to death and would hunt them down and... Um, yeah, that was another part of like the Anabaptist thing was of like separation of church and state because then it was like wherever you, whatever country you're born into determined your like religious affiliation. Mm-hmm. So like if you were German, you were Lutheran because, well, Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation. If you were like French, you were Catholic because that was a, a Catholic country. Um, and the Anabaptists are like, no, you're not just born into faith. Like you, you got to make a decision to follow Jesus, and yeah. So you start getting the whole. The, there's a reason why it was like yeah, we're we're not for force, we're not for violence, we're against the sep- 
you know, we want to keep the church and the state separated because nothing that has, none of that has to do with God or his kingdom. And so, yeah, that's kind of where the movement came from. And they were persecuted and mostly all killed. They didn't last very long. Like, no. Th there's not a lot of like great writings from many of the Anabaptists because they were on the run and hunted down and killed. Also, the first tradition, which a lot of Protestant traditions now hold to, like to to do um, credo baptism. Like baptism is by like a confession of faith as an adult versus um, just infant baptism, and mm -hmm. that's where the name Anabaptist came from. Because they were rebaptizers, rebaptizing people that were baptized as infants, and that got them into lots of trouble. And they're just a bunch of rabble rousers. Yep. But I guess we kind of are too. <laughs> and uh, so it seems like. It in the U.S. and across Canada, there's a growing movement and interest in Anabaptism, um, that there'd be people that would maybe identify as neo-Anabaptist, yeah. um, that because they see the clear need for distinction between the state and the church, Jesus commands to not use violence, mm -hmm. and just the centrality of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and there's other things. Just that overall, you said that, just that centrality of Jesus and his kingdom, like that's where your eyes are focused, you know? Yeah. So there's a growing movement um, in North America uh, of Anabaptism. And accidentally, we found ourselves <laughs> swimming in that stream. We, we found ourselves going, man, I agree with a lot of this. Because it's just like, again, it's all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see where that goes. Yep. Uh, We're still exploring. Don't to... expect us to become like Amish or Mennonite anytime no. soon or ever. No. There's a lot of interesting history there where n no movement is um, uh, immune to like taking things too far or becoming legalistic or whatever. And so like, yeah, it's, there's some, some, certainly some downfalls there, but a lot of, a lot of beauty to be found, which as there is in other like Protestant traditions and the Catholic right. church. And I know it's crazy to say that someone who's a, Protestant, evangelical, neo-anabaptist, whatever we are, to say, it seems like crazy words in certain contexts, to say, hey, we can learn things from our Catholic brothers and sisters too. And that comes back to something we were talking about, just like the centrality of Jesus across all of those traditions is what will bring unity in the church. Yeah. Um, and that was so important in the early centuries of the church of like, is yesterday we talked about like the, the kind of the, the Jew Gentile divide. The apostles were like, no, we're not having that. There's not going to be a Jewish church and a Gentile church. There's going to be the one church. Um, gosh, we look across Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Protestant, Anabaptist, like, and then all the micro movements, the denominations within that. It's like, no, 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 guys, guys, guys. There's there's supposed to be one church. There is one body of Jesus, not many, many, many bodies. But the only way we get to that is if we're all like. Jesus is central. Mm -hmm. like, we can disagree about a lot of the other things, but Jesus is central. Yep. So. All right, so we leave you with that thought. We'll leave you with that. So you'll probably hear us talk about Anabaptism some more down yeah. the road. And you'll definitely hear us talk about Jesus over and over and over and over again. Yep. On the podcast, at church, in conversations, because he's, he's what it's all about. Yep. Like He is the perfect this dual picture, he's the perfect revelation of God. Like, if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. And also the perfect revelation of what it means to be truly human. And so, like, you need to look no further than Jesus. Yep. So. He's All just right. great. <laughs> he is, man. You had just a weird expression on your face. <laughs> I always have a weird expression on. It's All just right. my face, man. What are you talking about? 
All right. Well, thanks for bearing with us, um, for tuning in. Have a great week. We'll see you, see you next time.